episode of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by The Everyday Fan. Check out their content and a passionate group of content creators getting together to create content for the, for the growing community of pop culture, fan base, fandoms, and especially sports such as football, basketball, baseball, professional wrestling, and MMA fantasy sport. Control your content and, set, and set, share your story around the world today. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome back, everyone, to Neo Reality Collective. I'm your host, Eric Brown. We're back. Oh, God. The fireworks are insane here in the States. Uh, that's why I have not been posting episodes, because the fireworks have been getting more and more crazier as time has gone on, as we headed closer to July 4th and everything. I'm hoping soon it will pass, but, um, yeah, it's been difficult. Plus, I have work, so I can't really commit to that as well on the days. But, um, I will tell you who will commit to not wanting to pass, who's trying to pass on everything. Uh, Reddit CEO had told employees in a memo that the blackout will pass because, of course, they did. During an internal memo that went out, that The Verge reported that they think it's just gonna pass. That oh, we're oh, they're just mad. We saw it coming, but just like. Um, <laughs> the the blackout had not been a significant revenue impact for the company, despite more than 8,000 Reddit communities going dark to protest this new pricing, the API. And here's the thing. When I found out that apparently they it was initially for free, they started charging people because Cup which was also being used by companies like OpenAI, who, among other things, utilized the site data to train the AI tools such as ChatGPT. So I, I would think, well, why not just charge the AI companies? Wouldn't that make more sense than just attack everybody? Like, I would at least got it instead of attacking everybody. But uh, I am clearly not the executive on this front, so I have no idea. Uh... I have no idea what the update plans are. I do know that several places I go to on Reddit were open back up, but we'll see how everything goes in the coming months. Meanwhile, Philip Kennedy Johnson and Montos are joining together to launch an on a new a new series of Green Lantern titles. With Hal Jordan taking over as the main Green Lantern, they have announced Green Lantern War Journal, which sets John Stewart to return to the front lines in an all-new series. No idea this is a, if this is a, it will be coming out on September 19th, starting with issue one. And they've been having this whole um, backup filler storyline for in the main pages of the of the um, Green Lantern book starring Hal Jordan. And <laughs> Phil Kenny Johnson is set to continue their collaboration with the artists they've been having for the new Green Lantern from the current Green Lantern series backup features to creating a new tour for the duty for the Green Lantern Corps' battle-hardened veteran, John Stewart. And, yeah. Johnson says, The most epic ace sci-fi action movie you've ever seen is coming, and it's set in the DCU. That's what Montos, Nose, and I are giving readers. The prologue stories and backup of 1 through 3 have a clear sci-fi fantasy feel, but when Green Lantern War Journal drops, it's going to feel like less like Dune and more like, like Predator, The Terminator, and Aliens. Sometimes you just need 80s James Cameron, and that's what this is. By the end of the series, readers are going to know exactly who John Seward is and why he was born to be a Green Lantern. <laughs> and there's even a variant cover where they show dog tags for Jon Stewart. And I'm glad Jon Stewart's getting a push again since, really, he kind of stopped getting a push when the New 52 dropped. And, well, ever since the Justice League cartoon ended. And then they went back to Hal Jordan when Rebirth happened. 
So, yeah, I would, I'm glad Jon Stewart's getting a push again in the Green Lantern book side of things of DC, and I'm looking forward to this series with him. He's my favorite out of all of them, because, and the only other person that I can tie, can rival with him is Jessica Cruz. But, uh, yeah. Also, uh, so, remember the Flash movie? Uh... Remember the Flash movie went ahead and got infamous for the whole um, CGI? Well, the director of that movie, Andy, I can't pronounce his last name, addressed the scene where Barry saves a bunch of babies and the CGI was um, less than appealing for fans. And here's what came out about, well, here's what the director said. Uh, that was intended to look bad. So he tried to come. He came in and says the idea, of course, is we are in the perspective of the Flash. Everything is distorted in terms of light and textures. We enter this war world, which is basically being in Barry's point of view. It was part of the design, so if it looks a little weird to you, that was intended. So what you're basically saying is that it intended to suck. Therefore, it's okay. That's that's literally what you've just come out and said. You've admitted, yes, it intended to suck, therefore it's a-okay. Like, I know he's probably saying this because it's a PR firestorm, considering the Flash, you know, bombed at the box office and all that, but like... You know, you don't have to keep defending Ezra Miller anymore, guys. I mean... They don't have a credentials anymore. And I don't want to see Ezra Miller back. At all. So, you can let this go now. You really can. You can give up on him. Please. But yeah, the director of The Flash is now set to direct the Batman, the Brave and the Bold movie set in the DCU. Variety reported exclusively the film is one of the several projects of DC Studios title mapped out by leader James Gunn and Peter Safranin earlier this year. Uh, he will direct the Batman Brave and the Bold based on the comic book series authored by Grant Morrison, who Gunn called exceptionally influential on in the DC Universe in January. The comics imagine a Bat family where Bruce Wayne's biological son Damien serves as Robin to his dad's Batman. And... Andy's sister and creative partner Barbara will produce the project via the label Double Dream alongside Gunn and Safran. Saying, we saw the Flash even before taking the reins of DC Studios and we knew we were in the hands of not only a visionary director but a massive DC fan. I mean... Okay, let's just hope this goes better. It's a magnificent film, funny, emotional, and thrilling. I wouldn't say that considering how everyone's been talking about it. And Andy's affinity and passion for these characters in the in this world just resonates through every frame. So when it comes to time to find a director for The Brave and the Bold, there was really only one choice. Luckily, Andy said yes. Barbara signed on to produce with us, and we were on our way. They're an extraordinary team, and we couldn't have asked, we couldn't have better or more inspiring partners as we embark on this really new adventure in the DCU. Currently, there is no screenwriter attached to it. And it will be the first live-action appearance of Robin since the days of uh, Batman and Robin. And this film will exist separately from Robert Pattinson's Batman movies. Uh, so, here's the thing. So I actually had a conversation with somebody about this. They said, why is Damian Wayne getting this big push? And why is he the first Robin, technically, for this new DCU? And I responded back saying maybe because they wanted to subvert some things a little bit. And also because there's a possibility that Robert Pattinson's Batman will have Dick Grayson or Tim Drake first. So I could see that happening. And if they do bring that character in, I'll be awesome for it. But they can't have two Dick Grayson's running around in different universes and then people will get confused. So they might just bring in the Nightwing and whatnot. But we'll see how everything goes. That's still years away from now. But Andy, I'm just going to wish you luck, man. I know you came out with the whole it intended to suck, therefore it's okay CGI talk. Which was a bad idea, but like, let's hope this movie's production goes much smoother than The Flash. 
because my god you were screwed at that point So anyway, CD Projekt Red added, has added a legendary Witcher sword to Cyberpunk 2077 as part of one of the new big updates through its upcoming expansion, Lib- Phantom Liberty. So those who own the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt will get a get a red and brown leather hoodie for V to dress up in that sort of looks like the 2077 version of the School of the Cat armor. Players will also be rewarded with, the, with a sword which is reminiscent of from the original Witcher game and the third game's Blood and Wine expansion. Windblooded, I can't pronounce that, is also Garrett's nickname in Elder Speech, which translates to White Wolf. So, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. pretty cool. In fact, there's been updates about Phantom Liberty, especially. Uh, let's see. There's a whole host of articles I have to go through, so yeah, it's a pain. Ah, man, it's a, it's just one of those days, one of those days, one of those day, 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 days. So, yeah, that had happened, and... Oh, man. Phantom Liberty itself has also been um, very, very interesting about its production talk. Mostly because the director says CD Projekt Red has moved away from the crunch... And, yeah, and how they've tasked the director to work on their projected sequel. Since, you know, apparently it was just that damn good. It's pretty It's pretty awesome. Development has begun as of 2022 of October, but as CD Projekt Red is building on a whole new North American studio for the game, consisting of 300 to 500 developers teams in Boston and Vancouver. So, they will probably start development on the game after Phantom Liberty is released, and then they'll just go crazy with it. And even people point out, this seems like Phantom Liberty is the game that CD Projekt Red pitched. Uh, like its famous reveal from 2018. And how CD Projekt Red had told Video Game Chronicles that all the core main systems of Cyberpunk has been redone and update or updated in a major way. There are a few, very few systems that we didn't change or update. Including how progression difficulty works in the games, the difficulty curve is different, the tiers and drops of looted is different, the architect types of enemies have been redone for more variety. New quest types called airdrops also join the base game, and these are designed to be infinitely replayable. You'll see red smoke going up in the air, and you'll have to get to that location really quickly. There's some really co- coveted items often in those locations. And how they rebuilt it from the ground up with the police system, which has been something about everything. And as reported by GameSpot, police will investigate crimes on an individual basis depending on where the player is and what illegal actions they commit. And they even said we redid the cyberware system, so now there's a capacity meter, and the more cyberware you slot, the further you push the edge, and you could run over the edge. Ugh. Killing someone in the, in the middle of a desert should result in a slur or no response compared to killing someone in a tight city, for example. More so, killing someone in a wealthy area in a nice city, like Corporal Plaza, results in the quickest responses from police, because the police prefer the 1% over the, over the common folk. And they'll even start using advanced tactics like blocking roads and car chases or T-boning your car. Speaking of cars, together they all vehicular combat is another feature finally coming to Cyberpunk 2077, saying together with Phantom Liberty, we're introducing vehicle combat. You'll be able to fire guns from your car or bike or use weapons which are mounted on your car. And character progression has also changed significantly. Armor will no longer be attached to clothing now according to GameSpot, but will instead build up be built up by installing cyberware. So that players to just to stop players just investing in so much cyberware, they become vulnerable. CD Projekt Red brought over a cyberpunk edgerunners-inspired cyber psychosis feature, saying they redid the cyberware system, so now there's a capacity meter, and the more cyberware you slot, the further you get pushed to the edge, and you can run over edge, and there's a better risk versus roar. The response of edgerunners were so huge, so we wanted to put it in. And they also, perks and skill trees were completely changed up. Instead of the current passive set stat bonuses, unlockable abilities feel more like perks that create a unique character build, GameSpot reported. The reflex tree skill tree now grants players access to a mid-air dash, the ability to deflect bullets with a sword, and perform fast and furious finishes, for example. So, when I heard this, and... 
We don't know yet if it will be free for all the Cyberpunk players or will be locked behind the $30 expansion. But when I heard all this, yeah, I definitely agree. It does sound like this is the CD Projekt Red game that they pitched for Cyberpunk 2077 all those years ago. I'm excited for it. I personally am. But uh, we learned what happened last time when we uh, thought things were going to go smoothly with CD Projekt Red's quality. Well, um... Let's hope things work out on that, and I'll wait till the game comes out, even if they have a pre-order bonus set for things, because of course they do. But, uh, yeah, I've been hearing some positive people talking about it, like, young, yeah, uh, yeah, and whatnot. So I I'm, like, I I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that hopefully they've learned their lesson. Meanwhile, Diablo 4 players, uh, player flew into a rage after 172 hours, level 91 hardcore, died during a loading screen. So New Zealand-based streamer Quinn69 uploaded a video to YouTube of the moment he saw the dread Hall of Fallen Heroes on-screen message. The L4 appears to crash while teleporting its characters to a town following the completion of the dungeon. The only option open is to click Acknowledge. And he said, as when the realization set in, he said, I finished the keystone and portal to town. In the loading screen of me pouring to town, my character has died. So, Diablo 4 itself recorded the dev as slain by environment. Oh dear. Uh, apparently there was other... Other cases where people got permadeath to the game through, con through stuff that made no sense. Uh... Uh, dear. Thank God I did not play Diablo 4. So, yeah, that, that, that's that got hurt. Like, that, that really has got to hurt. It's like playing Mass Effect 2 and you screwed up the character so much that he dies and you can't bring him back for the sequel. And you have to restart the mission again and, and possibly restart the whole game just to get it right. That or just go on YouTube and, and articles to find how to make sure you don't fuck up big time. But, uh, yeah, I, I generally feel sorry for this guy, and I I'm sorry to hear what happened. Meanwhile, David Fincher has announced that, yes, 7 is being remastered in 4K by David Fincher himself during a talk... Talk report talk of the Tribeca Film Festival reported by the Hollywood Reporter. Fincher confirmed the long suspected 4K remaster is underway, but he's fundamentally against changing what the idea of the film is. Saying you could fix, you know, 3%, 5%. If something's egregious, it needs to be addressed, but you know, I'm not gonna take all the guns out of people's hands and replace them with flashlights. Which is um the in the famous moment where uh where Steven Spielberg did that for E.T. for 4K remaster of the film's anniversary, replaced police handguns with walkie-talkies. However, in recent years, he did come out and admit that he regrets that change, saying that was a mistake he told. He said at the time 100 Summit, I never should have done that. E.T. is a product of its era. No film should be revised based on the lenses we are now in, either voluntarily or being forced to peer through. We, I should have never messed with the archives of my own work, and I don't recommend anyone do that. So David Fincher learned from learned from that, and he's against it. Oh man, it's oh man. One of Fincher's pet peeve comes when the 4K version of version of Seven is the amount of detail you can now see in the background. Although he missed the issues are largely unnoticeable, he added on a 100-inch screen, you'll look at it and say, "What the f? They only had money for white cardboard out there." So that's kind of the stuff of, on print stock. It gets blown out of being there, and now you're looking at it and going, "I can see, see, you know, 500 nits of what the f?" And 
they're trying to go for a more subtle detail with it and and even some of his friends have come to defend him so let's hope things work out and yeah I, i'm hoping for the best also the actress who played uh Princess Leia in Young Leia and Obi-Wan Kenobi, the actress has said, speaking with the direct, saying uh, she wants her own spin-off show, telling the story of a young Princess Leia on Alderaan. No! I don't want that. Oh, 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 don't get me wrong. The Young Leia was good, but I just don't want that. Not everything, not every character needs a massive spinoff. It's the same thing that was one of the big pit holes of the old timeline, the old canon, where every single character had this minute, complicated backstory and was somehow the def that if they did one thing wrong, it would spell doom for the entire universe. Like that, like those two characters from episode four, uh, where the one guy's arm chopped off trying when they were harassing Luke at the bar. Oh, well, turns out he has a super complicated backstory and that it was necessary that he did what he did, what he had to go through and put himself through. Right? Right? So, so yeah, see, see, this is how overly complicated the series, the universe has got, the universe got at that point. I don't know what the case is now, other than being an Easter egg in Rogue One, but that should tell you my one gripe I had with Star Wars, where they basically made every single, where it felt like every single character in existence was either directly related to the ancient, to the past, or was a super complicated character that was having a unique that was so de detrimental and whatnot that if they didn't do the one thing, it would spell doom for the entire universe. Much like how they decided to go ahead and joke around that the droid that... Oh, oh, uh, the droid that short-circuited itself? Um, yeah, they even went as far as to have a complicated backstory on that too, where it's revealed that they deliberately shut short circuit themselves so R2D2 can get sold because it would determine the fate of the galaxy and all that. And I was like, oh God, just, just stop. Like, I would have uh, believed it more if R2D2 secretly sabotaged him. I could believe that. But the droid knowing the future, that's where you're going with this? I don't know if that was a joke they made because they were making a joke over the everything complicated, but it wouldn't surprise me if they made that canon in the Legends timeline at one point. Oh, man. And heck, I don't even want to see Reba again. Like, I'll do respect to the actress who had to work with what she was given, but, like, I don't really particularly care about her character. She's had her arc for the most part, and, well, how do I say this delicately... There's nothing left to tell with her. Sure, she's now a fugitive, but I don't really care about the character we've been given. All due respect to the actress. So moving on from my ranting and raging on Star Wars, because every time when I do talk about Star Wars, I go into a rage somehow. Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse will have multiple Gwen Stacy's. I'm pretty sure Miles Morales will not react the way you hope. So, Lord, so Phil Lord, because he needs to have an ego stroke, I think, and Chris Miller talked about it and asked if there will be any other Grand Stacys, and he, Lord said, yes, currently. And Miller added, I would say that, yes, it's on the page. I think that these things evolve as they go. So, really, it's a... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah, they talk about the canon events, and I was like, okay, this sounds like, okay, when I heard about the canon events that says that certain things must happen in a way that has to happen, like the death of a police captain, the death of an uncle, or the being bitten by a radioactive spider, and how Miles Morales wasn't supposed to be bitten by the spider because there was a whole complicated nonsense about how the spider was actually running out of the universe because of the collider, and then that caused multiple issues with the timeline. Yeah, comics are, con yeah, comic books even alone are confusing. Um, is this way of Sony trying to just, this sounds like Sony is trying to give Marvel the out it needs to justify one more day? 
That's just my conspiracy, at least. Like, they realize they're making Parker too miserable to the point that everyone's wondering why he doesn't just quit at this point or just get killed off because of how miserable they've made the character. And, and Sony's like, no, we need to justify this so they can stop making his life miserable. And I'm like, you could just reverse one more day and kill off Aunt May because... She she would more or less accept her fate as getting killed off instead of having the freaking devil Mephisto come in and solve the problem, which isn't really solving the problem. It's more like saying, oh, I knew this was going to happen. I knew if I don't do this, I must do this because if I don't, I'll die. And I'm going to just reference, and, and finally I get to have an excuse to bring this up. Uh, how do I say this delicately? So, remember Nick Spence's run where they were teasing that this would be the end of One More Day, and they would reverse it, and they never did. They instead reversed uh, Sin's Past, which is also a bad story. Well, the thing I learned about, when I learned why Mephisto did the deal in the comics, I was like, I see... Nick, um, I don't want to judge you about your writing, but, um, why are you borrowing something that I read on freaking fanfiction.net five years before this run started? Yeah, I'm not kidding. This is the exact same thematic plot point to justify Mephisto's deal with, deal with Parker and everything. Because May Par because Mayday Parker is the threat that de that defeats Mephisto. Because I can't recall the fanfiction name, but it basically is a story where Parker gets shot and stuff at May, and he recovers, and Mephisto learns of this and realizes, yeah, this is not how it was supposed to go. He Aunt May is supposed to get shot. I make the deal. Mayday Parker is never born, and I get to continue to reign terror across the Marvel universe, eventually. And he has to make a deal with Venom, with, with Eddie Brock, and restore his Venom powers. Yeah, it was a huge, complicated stuff, but like, yeah, that's basically what the thing was. Mephisto wanted to get rid of Mayday Parker because Spider-Girl threatens his existence. I am trying to wonder how that happened. But, uh... <laughs> oh, man. So, Twitch is currently on active fire with their whole Partner Plus program and all that and, you know, kick on the rise. So, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sony has set two release dates for an untitled Marvel movies for 2024-2025. Ouch. One is an untitled Sony Marvel movie dated for November 8, 2024, and another untitled Sony Marvel live action for June 27, 2025. So, is 2024 the Spider-Verse movie since they knew it would get delayed because that was only a year-long timeline? If so, that's kind of still crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know yet. We'll see. Also, The Last of Us is getting a Universal Halloween Horror Nights experience for Naughty Dogs uh, <laughs> to create a haunted house experience based on The Last of Us, which will feature iconic locations from the 2013 game, clickers, and more as part of the Halloween Hor Horror Nights series of in-person events. Uh, considering how this is a possibility this is a realistic thing, I'm pretty sure that's going to freak people out. So, AEG officials announced that LA Live, the entertainment center in downtown Los Angeles, which includes the Microsoft Theater and Xbox Plaza, will bear the Peacock name starting July 11th. Part of a multi-year naming rights deal between Peacock, NBC Universal Streaming Service, and AEG, Microsoft Theater holds 7,100 seats that will be renamed to the Peacock Theater. The 40,000-square-foot open-air pl plaza, which is known as the Xbox Plaza, will now be known as the Peak Play, Peacock Place. Furthermore, Peacock will be exclusive stream partner of the venue. Okay. Okay. 
Meanwhile, the upcoming Mortal Kombat 2 is has already is filling out the rest of the cast. We'll also be getting Shao Kahn. Hooray! Desmond Chen will play. Uh, Martin Ford will play Shao Kahn. Desmond Chen will play King Jared. Anatune, I can't pronounce that last name. Will play Sindel. Damon Harriman will play Quan Chi. They are drawn by Carl Urban, who will play the movie star Johnny Cage, as well as Adeline Rudolph as the assassin Katana, and will also be getting Jade. Hooray! And that most of the original cast will be returning, such as Cole Young, Sonya Blade, Kano, Loraydan, Jax, Liu Kang, Sang Soon, Bihan, and Sub-Zero, Hanzo Hasashi and Scorpion, and Kung Lao. Uh man. Insane times are ahead, everyone. Insane times are ahead. Meanwhile, Rockstar Games co-founder Dan Hauser has announced the new studio of his new gaming studio, Absurd Ventures. Building per the release, uh, Absurd is building narrative worlds, creating characters, and writing stories for a diverse variety of genres, without regard to medium, to be produced for live-action animation and video games. As spotted by J- Jeff Kingley, uh, Houses New Series built is all that stuff by in his Twitter account, and. <laughs> Based on the quote, absurd games will dabble in other forms of media beyond video games and whatnot. This started after 2021 was strongly implied that was going to be the new studio because it was registered in the UK, with the business listing mentioning that Dan Hauser was the director of the studio. Uh, The early days. So they have yet to announce their first project, but we haven't. But hopefully, we'll hear more news from them soon. Meanwhile, um, Matt Booty keeps saying that. I'm definitely trying my best not to laugh. Confirms it's not making games for Xbox One anymore. A sad day. They've moved on to Gen Nine. Meanwhile, while Game Pass may may uh, no longer be, while Game Pass is not in the forefront of Sony's mind, they are currently content with the continuing to hit PS Plus later for new games, saying the current strategy is working. Okay. Even though everyone wants to get a Game Pass for Sony, but that's that's fine. Meanwhile, Nicholas Cage met with uh, Hideo Kojima. And will now and now fans are convinced he will cameo in Death Stranding too because having a guy just uh, because despite being in Dead by Daylight, which is a somewhat exaggerated version of himself, Nicolas Cage is definitely definitely going to appear in this because he's taking pictures with Hideo Kojima. Meanwhile, The Last of Us Part 1's latest update on PC makes its Steam Deck verified, finally. So, um, took them long enough. Meanwhile, Dead Space Decover is a new scripted podcast launching in 2024, according to IGN's exclusive reveal featuring the Dead Space universe that tells the story of a journalist searching for her missing sister who reportedly joined the local unologist church. Ah, so crazy religious nutcases, got it. As she delves into the mystery world of this church, she uncovers internal conflicts, strange customs, and personal sacrifices she must make to reunite with her sister. So this church is actually part of a fictional religion, Dead Space, that is tied directly to the makers that were used to create the necromorphs. This obviously did not go well, and they believe that humans were created with the help of aliens and that they will be reunified after death in heaven after they become a necromorph. Because that's a great idea, right? (sighs) Religion is such a problem. Meanwhile, uh, during the summer ga- summer of gaming era, um, people are kind of mad about Todd Howard's uh, little uh, Starfield 30 FPS on consoles because he's trying to ensure consistency of performance. How about you just delay the game for enough time to get the, the performance mode? 
Just my opinion. Also, Samuel L. Jackson has expressed his desire for Nick Fury to be in every Marvel movie, especially Black Panther, and he's trying to wonder why he's why he hasn't been in a Black Panther movie, and I'm just like, what were you going to do in those movies? I'm like, maybe you could have been in a post-credits scene in Wakanda Forever since, you know, there's now an underwater civilization thriving. Like, sure, you could go with that logic, but like... Yeah, and he's still upset by being left out of some entries such as Captain America Civil War, which is more understandable. So, that one at least I get. But, uh, speaking of Nick Fury, Secret Invasion stuff, I'll get to that soon. But um, Guillermo del Toro said the sacrilegious thing of ever for Hollywood executives, especially probably that guy, the former CEO of Disney and the current and the current owner of WBD, by saying um, this: "Making movies is eating a sandwich of shit." According, according to him, uh, he th- he wants to dedicate his time to making anime movies over live-action features in the future because he thinks it is the purest form of art. So, he, t- he warned those attending his master class during the Hollywood Reporter, spoke about his career of animation festivals, and said they still say no to me. In the last two months, they said no to five of my projects. Still, it doesn't go away. Making movies is eating a sandwich of shnt. There's always shnt. Just sometimes you get a little more bread with yours. The rate of productivity against your efforts will remain frustratingly difficult and frustratingly long, and you will encounter a-holes, but have faith in the stories you want to tell and wait until someone wants to buy them. And he heeded his own advice and shifted his focus to bring more stories to the screen in animated form, saying there are a couple more live-action movies I want to do, but not many. After that, I only want to do animation. That's the plan. And... Props! Especially after Pinocchio was a huge success. Hooray! Uh, but like, when I heard this, I was like, oh god, the WBD and Disney's former CEO is going to be pissed about this. Say, you're committing sacrilege. Meanwhile, the late, great Carrie Fisher is going to have her final film released, seven years after her passing away. So, the ever-popular Star Wars actress passed away just six weeks after filming Wonderwall, well, a fantasy adventure set between com- between contemporary Italy and a magical realm. And hearing this, it is set for a limited theatrical release in June 23rd, 2023, which did come out. So, yeah, as you can see, I've been trying my best to catch up with everything, but the timing is just a horrible timing for me. But uh, Carrie Fisher's last film was released, and it was a, and people are sad that this is it, the end of an era, unless AI takes over, in which case we're screwed. Also, stars and or um, originally almost had the first f bomb. Andor had a speech saying "fight the Empire," and originally. The original thing was him saying F the Empire in a totally different way. <laughs> the showrunner T- Tony Gilleran did put up a fight and saying, Here's the thing. Here's the thing about, about this uh, scene. Uh, the idea of saying the F word in Star Wars, it's like, Disney wouldn't let them use it probably because they didn't want to say the F-bomb because think of the children and all that, but like, they're perfectly okay with Marvel-level humor with uh, your mama jokes, because you know, that certainly fits the Star Wars universe. Yeah, see, th- this is the inherent flaw I have with this. I don't think it works in Star Wars when you say the F-bomb. Like, they come up with their own languages when you're just borrowing a language that was never brought up in either Legends or the main canon up to this point. It just... 
messes it's just weird for me it takes me out of the story and the immersion because it's like am i watching a star wars movie or, or its product or am i just watching marvel but with f bombs But uh, speaking of Marvel movies, the Dom the actress who played Domino in Deadpool 2 is not returning. <sighs> Damn it. Anyways, uh, that was tragic. But uh, Idris Elba is going to play, who's playing uh, Knuckles, is shaping up to have a one star studded cast with Carrie Ells. Christopher Lloyd, because he has to be in everything nowadays, Stockard Channing, Peter Shear, Rob Hebel, I am pretty sure I've been butchering all these names. I am terribly sorry. Heck, they even include Game of Thrones alumni actors, so that's going to be awesome. And even people who reprise from the movie, respectively. It is current, so, Duckles doesn't have a release date yet, but it takes some time between Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and Sonic the Hedgehog 3, which is currently slated for December 20th of 2024. So, probably between those two release dates, it will be out. And there's also Sonic Prime that also came out that recently landed its July 13th release date, so that's that. Meanwhile, Daredevil born again, and the Penguin are on hold for the duration of the writer's strike, because of course that had to happen, so everyone's mad about that. And after the Tenet debacle, Warner Bros. wants to get Christopher Nolan back, because Oppenheimer is, Oppenheimer is currently doing so well with people and hype that Warner Bros. Discovery does not get a damn thing out of it. Look, I I'm all for working together again, but like, it, it might be too late. But that's just my two cents on that front. Meanwhile, House of the Dragon showrunner teases easy too now that all the pieces are in place. So Ryan Caldwell uh, told Deadline of his plans for House of the Dragon Season 2 now that all the pieces are in place. He admitted it was a challenge to introduce new characters and tell a three-generational story in a single season, but that's only the beginning. Saying, I'm excited to pick up where we left off. We did hard, the hard, complex work of setting up this entirely new dynasty and family and all the players in Season 1, and took the time to do all the character work so you understood where everybody fell along the line. Of, are they on Alicent's side of the equation, Aegon's side, or are they on Rhaenyra's side, Aid and Damien's side? The season two will only consist of eight episodes, two fewer than the first season. However, he's commented that is enough to move the story along while capturing all the drama that now that King Viserys is no longer around to sit on the throne. I'm like, it's gonna end badly. I'm like, the I'm pretty sure the first episodes could probably open up or at least end on the ending and have the or for end on the first episode, ending with um, how do I uh, uh, how do I say this? Blood and Cheese. L let's just go with that. It involves uh, two people named Blood and Cheese. If you don't know what that is, it it's going to be dark. Just say Damon is a, ma a madman. Meanwhile, Sony had announced that it has begun testing cloud streaming for supported PS5 games. So you're basically doing what the Xbox was already doing with Game Pass, but, you know, screw sneaking a Game Pass. Also, Tom Holland, who's currently on break from the acting world, and he even and he has recently said to the Hollywood Reporter <laughs> that saying, "I think we found the reason we would do another film. I'm really happy about where we're, where we're at in terms of creative, but I'm also apprehensive about it because, well." There's a bit of a stigma about the fourth one in all franchises. I feel like we hit a home run with our first franchise, and there's a part of me that wants to walk away with my head held high and pass the baton to the next lucky kid that gets to bring this character to life. Yeah, um, Miles Morales is established as part of this universe, as uh, as explained in a deleted scene from Homecoming. Awesome. Um, but uh, here's my opinion on this. Then you have to kill Tom Holland off. You have to kill off this Spider-Man to make way for the successor. I'm like, you could have both running around, but, you know, MCU Marvel is totally different from the current Marvel comic side. So, yeah, the discussions around the fourth film are currently on hold due to the solidarity of the writer's strike that's affecting the industry. Meanwhile, Mortal Kombat Legends Cage Max exclusive was revealed, and a full voice cast and plot was also revealed in the process. Which is part of their whole Mortal Kombat Legends universe they're essentially doing. 
which is the sequel to Scorpion's Revenge, Battle of the Realms, and Snowblind. So, yeah. They have a huge cast listing for a lot of people, and I'm... And I haven't watched these movies. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not interested in it, but, like... Yeah. Eh, we'll see how that goes. Meanwhile, GTA Online has player had players freak out over a t-shirt because many believe it's a tease for GTA 6. And the, and the shirt itself says, one day we will reveal all. Well, that means nothing. Many fans hope it teases a full GTA 6 reveal, even though they missed some of the events already to, to unveil something. And YouTuber Legacy Killer HD posted on Twitter that data mining uncovered further messages to saying connect the lines and we are watching. Along with Halloween uh, alongside a selection of Halloween themed content. But um that was kind of thrown out the window when the moment came when uh GTA Online re- update removed more than 180 cars and bikes and put some behind a paywall of their GTA Plus subscription. <sighs> oh, damn! So, yeah, everyone got pissed off at that, and I don't blame them. Also, Kevin Smith decided to brag to everybody, saying, I have a copy of Joel Schumacher's extended cut of Batman Forever, and I'm going to review it. I'm like, I should pro- I probably should be talking about this. War Brothers is going to take my ticket away, but I'm going to slip you a mm, copy. He told on the Fat Man Beyond podcast to, uh, to his fellow podcast co-host, Mark, and he wants to discuss and review the alleged 170-minute version of the movie on an upcoming podcast on June 19th. No idea if that happened. I don't follow him. Saying, I've watched it. It's longer. And unseen footage. And also an opening scene that runs 15 minutes before Two-Face busts into the bank like the original. And talking about how it's much darker and whatnot. And then Mark, when Variety reported that Birmingham had heard from a very good authority that 170 minute cut of the 1995 blockbuster existed, Warner Brothers was unsure about releasing it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. If they ever release it, I, 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 I'm all for it. Especially, you would hope that Zack Snyder's Justice League would have been the catalyst to release more director cut films that were locked away in their big gigantic vault. But uh, nope, that never happened. Meanwhile, Dead Cells is getting an animated series. Comprise roughly of 10 roughly 10 roughly seven minute long episodes and will be released in France first before getting a wider release worldwide. My god. We all remember Dead Cells, everybody, especially that controversy that happened with it because two reviewers had very similar reviews and one got fired. And then they came back to try and review it on their own terms, and that only got them more hated. Anyways. There's also a bunch of fan-made posters being made for Zelda the movie they hope to see, but uh, we'll see. I-, I honestly am all for the idea of a of a Nintendo shared universe with Illumination, especially with the amount of potential and especially culminating with the Super Smash Bros. movie. Come on, let's do it, man. You could just establish Sonic as their own separate universe as part of the May-wide Nintendo multiverse. The Nintendo Sega universe. Come on, let's do it. I'm all for it. If you bring Link, Link and the Legend of Zelda stuff in, I'll, I'll, that's even going to be more awesome. Meanwhile, James got announced that he will begin work on Peacemaker Season 2 immediately after Superman Legacy. So, not until 2025 or 2026, at the earliest of a potential release date. That's a four-year waiting period for us since it came out on January 13th. (laughs) 
But um, he decided to talk about the Inside of You podcast where James Gunn says, um, exp- where James Gunn's talked about his DCU and will defer how it will defer from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He goes ahead and says this. If you look at the MCU, there are very few traditional superheroes. There was never a guy with a secret identity until Spider-Man in the MCU. Their cab was turned to a soldier, even though he wears a mask. Iron Man out himself at the end of the first Iron Man because they don't want to deal with the whole secret identity stuff. But there's a bit more of a fantasy element to the DCU because they are these larger-than-life superheroes, and for me, that's Superman and Clark Kent. They're two different characters, and you have to find a way to deal with them as they that as grounded as possible within this world of DC. There's a bit more fantasy element of the DCU because there are these larger-than-life superheroes and whatnot. <laughs> and then they did the whole reveal thing and whatnot. Gunn said the DCU will embrace the DC's fantastical world as well, not trending on the MCU's heavy use of New York City, San Francisco, and other real-life locations. One of the many things I love about DC that excites me about DC is that in the way it's in the alternate history it is Gotham City and Metropolis and Star City and Bloodhaven and all these different places in this other reality and it makes it a little bit less a little bit like Westeros in some way saying I just love that, that way love it in that way I love that we get to create true world building in DC it isn't just we're throwing some superheroes on Earth I think right now that's one of the key differences my god to see James Gunn following on this legacy trying to continue the legacy of the DCU and make it actually a comic book movie instead of a comic book grounded in reality movie. Like, I'll do respect to everything that's come before with the MCU, but let, let's be real, I, I kind of like that they're going to go back to the olden days of being proud that they're a comic book and not be ashamed of it. Because, let's be real, X-Men started that trend years ago when they talked, when they took a shot themselves in the Fox universe where they say, well, you want to go ahead and wear spandex and outfits? And I was like, oh, God. Just, you you do realize you're people that don't technically exist and you have all these fantastic powers. Is it really out of the question to, you know, wear colorful spandex clothing? Is it really that out of the question? Really? But yeah, uh, and everything, and all the coloring has to be dulled a bit just to match the gritty, grounded reality we live in. So I'm glad. So I have. So I'm more optimistic for James Gunn's DCU. I might come back or I might not. But I, I don't know. I'm still dealing with the superhero fatigue. That's why I just mostly stuck with comics because they were here first, essentially. But that's about all the news we have for today. I'll be back soon, and I also got started on some other big projects. I have another, I have a video project in the works for my podcast side of channel content. It will also be uploaded here, hopefully, on the on the uh, on the main podcast hub network I'm on. But uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. This is your host, Eric Brown of New Year Reality Collective. Stay tuned for this last outro, and I'll see you all again. And thank you to the everyday fans for helping this, for helping pr- promote this video around. Take care, have a good day, and take care of yourselves and each other. Peace. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels, such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.